So the Dallas Mavericks, it is. The Phoenix Suns know their fate in the Western Conference semifinals, and it will be Luka Doncic, Spencer Dinwiddie, Jalen Brunson, and the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Suns Jam Session Podcast. Obviously, this isn't one of our post-game podcasts because the Suns have not played, but we have a series ahead of us, a series that we will all be tuning in and once again be living and dying with every possession. Matthew, when you heard it was going to be Dallas, what thoughts went through your brain? Well, I predicted this, John. I predicted the Suns and the Mavericks would meet in the playoffs one way or the other, right? Do you remember that? <laughs> I do. I do. It's everything I ever in 2018. wanted. 2018. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm sick of. Uh, I'm sick of the Suns making the playoffs and not playing Dallas Mavericks. It only happened, of course, one season last year. But uh, finally, we could go through the Mavericks, go through Luka Doncic, see what they're made of. Like we talked about before, it's probably a little bit of an easier matchup than last time. But man, I just hope we'll the Suns see. don't take them take them any lighter than they did the Pelicans at first. So. Great matchup. I'm excited for it. Uh, I, I'm excited because we're going to play the Dallas Mavericks, just like history showed, and just like your uh, your article you wrote. Nice little article for him, right? <laughs> did, did you read it, Matthew? I did. I skimmed it. Okay, I was about to say it was it was one of yours is always a skim. <laughs> three thousand words. Uh, for those of you who have any interest in reading three thousand words on the history between these two franchises, head over to brightsideofthesun.com. Give uh, what I put together a nice little read. There really kind of breaks down the history of these two franchises over the past forty-two years. Seen as the Mavericks came into existence in nineteen eighty. They've only met twice in the playoffs, one time going to the Phoenix Suns in 2005 and one time going to the Dallas Mavericks in 2006. So uh, we'll talk a little bit about that history and what that uh, means between these two franchises. But before we get into all that, we just want to thank everybody who's hanging out with us, whether you're listening along, whether you're watching along or whether you are uh, hanging out behind me out there outside. Okay, Ooh, no one's who's out, out there. there, man? You never know. Fans, they the just show up randomly uh, at my house, and they're just like, hey, man, I want to talk to you about the podcast. I know how that is. <laughs> I know, yeah. right? It's just, you know, these champions adjust. So uh, definitely a lot of things to talk about on this edition as we preview the series with the, the Dallas Mavericks between the Phoenix Suns. So uh, welcome again. Make sure you subscribe, rate, review. You can follow the show at Suns Jam on Twitter, where Matthew and I will be doing halftime Twitter spaces throughout this series with the Dallas Mavericks. You can follow me at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew. Uh, Matthew, let's see. All right, we got to pop one open, my friend. It's time to pop one open, talk about this series. I got a Diet Coke that's really tiny. It's adorable, isn't it? That's for both of us. All right, well, pop them if you got them, Suns fans. You know, I really should just not tell anybody whatever I'm drinking because if you're listening to the podcast, you have no idea. You're just like, oh, there's popping brews all the time. These guys are just raging <laughs> alcoholics. True. Yeah, they're on oh. episode what 331. That's 331 beers. Void is by. They don't need to know about the tiny diet cokes. All right. Okay. Note to self. Well, let's talk about this series with the Dallas Mavericks. The Dallas Mavericks it is for the Phoenix Suns. They will face them in the Western Conference semifinals beginning on Monday night. And if we're going to talk about this matchup, if we're going to talk about the Phoenix Suns, we got to bring in the one guy 
who you know if it's gonna has to do with the Phoenix Suns, he's gonna make a video about it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, coming from to us live from Suns Geek Studio, <laughs> give it up for Suns Geek. <laughs> hey, Thank what's up, you guys? What's up? Course, Welcome. What's, what's up, guys? I love being on here. Thanks so much for having me. Really looking forward to this series. I'm excited. I was looking forward to this little podcast we're doing, series preview. So let's go. Let's go. A lot to talk about on this one. And the first question I'll pose to both of you. You hear you hear the Dallas Mavericks is the team that we're going to play. Not just talking about this season's version of the Dallas Mavericks. When you think of the Dallas Mavericks as a franchise, do are any emotions evoked when you hear that we have to play this team in the Western Conference semifinals? Because when we had to play the Pelicans, there was no like, oh man, the Pelicans. Remember that time when? Because there hasn't really been a remember that time when with the Pelicans. There has been with the with the Dallas Mavericks. So, uh, Matthew, I'll start with you. When you heard it was the Mavericks, any emotions at all? Or were you just like, yay, we get to play Luca? Yeah, no, I mean, I do think about the long history they had in the playoffs. Um when, when we go back, the Suns, it seemed like they always had an easy time with the Mavericks. It was more of a little bit of a rival, Dirk Nowinski versus Steve Nash. Um, the one season, of course, we did lose to them was when Mari left, and that was probably the one year that we could have, oh, here we go again, we could have maybe made the, hey. the finals and maybe would have won it that year if Mari was there, if, whatever, I'm not going to go there. But I always think about Dirk Nowinski. I always think about the Maver- I always think about Mark Cuban, how annoying this team can be. If you want to think about annoying an annoying team, it was always the Mavericks. Um, they were second right behind the San Antonio Spurs, I feel like. Just that pesky team you always had to play in the playoffs. But unlike the, unlike the Spurs, the Suns were actually able to handle the Mavericks most of the time, for the majority of the time. And it still seems that way, too. I know you're not talking about the season, but when, I, when the Mavericks do come to mind, it's annoying. But it's nothing like a pain in the ass like a San Antonio Spurs team would be. It just always makes for a good matchup. That's where my mind goes to. What about you, Suns Geek? Yeah, I mean, I can echo that. I mean, it's a lot of great memories versing that team and just really kind of sort of the nostalgia, you know, back in the mid-2000s and everything, and Dirk and Steve Nash and Sean Marion and all them, and just those classic Suns, seven seconds or less teams, and those really good Mavericks teams. And, uh, yeah, but, I mean, in regards to really just this season, uh, just really looking forward, you know, it's, it's Luca versus Booker, you know what I mean? Plus, we got a Hall of Fame point guard in CP3, so definitely exciting stuff yeah you know for me personally when i heard dallas dallas is always the team to me that was you know going back you know i'm a little bit older than both of you but going back in the 90s they were a team that just didn't mean anything right they were a huge zero they didn't win a playoff game in the 90s they're a team that was perennially just kind of dog shit right and we were kind of part of their resurrection as a franchise by trading them Steve Nash by sharing so many players throughout the history of our two franchises. And when you look at that seven seconds or less era, while everybody looks at the, uh, the San Antonio Spurs at Spurs as the, the primary villain, Dallas was always right there to me too. Mm-hmm. You know, again, the, the two years that we played them in the playoffs, we won that first year in 2005. That was the revolutionary year, right? Oh, four Oh five. We come out, uh, we sweep the Grizzlies or we win in five games against the Grizzlies. And then we have to play Dallas. And although we beat Dallas in six games, we lose Joe Johnson at there at the hands of Jerry Stackhouse. And I'll forever have a disdain for Jerry Stackhouse and the Mavericks for that moment and what it meant, because we might have 
won that battle against them, but we ultimately lost the war because we didn't have a healthy Joe Johnson going against that San Antonio Spurs team. By the time he re-enters the series in the Western Conference Finals, we uh, we're down 0-2 to the Spurs, and it's kind of you know we, we lose in five games to them. Now it's it's not to say that we would have won it all with uh, Joe Johnson, a healthy Joe Johnson, but we would have fared better. That's for sure. Uh, I think history has shown us in hindsight that the way that uh, Mike D'Antoni did his rotations, we were doomed because you can't just go through four rounds of playoff basketball not utilizing the depth at your disposal and running seven and eight man rotations. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so and then the following year, yes, to Matthew's point, you know, that was the the year without Amari, but the year with Boris Diaw and Rajah Bell. And again, against playing against the Mavericks, we lose Rajah Bell to a torn calf. We end up losing in the Western Conference Finals in six games. And I remember how unbelievably crushed I was at that one, too, because, again, that was another season where, uh, although they had a better record than us, I thought we were a better team. And because Rajah Bell got hurt in that series, I just felt like we were robbed again. So as series progressed throughout that decade, we didn't have any more playoff clashes with the Dallas Mavericks. But they've always evoked, at least in me, somebody that uh, I just I'll always be frustrated with. I also am I've always been frustrated with Dallas because of the fact that I, I don't know if you guys knew this, but Steve Nash, Sean Marion, Amari Stoudemire, they all played for the Mavericks. <laughs> you know, I mean, Sean Marion won a championship with the Mavericks. Steve Nash, obviously, we reacquired from the Mavericks, and Amari Stoudemire played twenty three games for Dallas in two thousand fifteen. So. We've had so many players go in and out of Dallas throughout our history. Michael Finley being one of those. I loved Michael Finley as a kid. He played a couple seasons in Phoenix, and then we traded him to Dallas. Uh, And, you know, he was a part of a lot of those teams in those mid-2000s that were just very productive. So we've always had this interesting relationship between the two franchises. But for me personally, it's always been one of disdain. That's why I named this, uh, this episode... Dallas is salad backwards because that's what I used to. I was drunk one time and I figured that out. And I, I've been saying it since like 2005. <laughs> oh. I, every, anytime anybody's mentioned Dallas, yeah. I'm like, well, that's salad backwards. And they're like, well, it's two L's. I'm like, okay, the Jeez. second one's silent. You're, you're an experiencing, you're experiencing with drugs and you're just in a fourth dimension, right? Just, you know, <laughs> just <laughs> saying words backwards. I'm Dude, like, son's yeah, backwards is nuts. Too yeah. much uh, baby diet coke. There, <laughs> <laughs> you know who? Uh, speaking of drinking, you know uh, the the one thing that comes to mind with the Dallas Mavericks is good old Don Nelson. You know, back mm-hmm. in the day when I used, when I started watching Don basketball, Nelson. and I've I've told the story, I was like that coach. He's he seems like he's drunk, and we learned stories that he was drunk. So. The fact that the Mavericks organization, you know, they went through hell, right, with the uh, behind the scenes, all, all basically everyone running the organization. I don't know. I actually want to get into that. But you find out yeah. like Don Nelson's drunk uh, all the time, you know, drinking beers at halftime. I mean, that's the first thing I actually think about. And then it goes Dirk, Dirk Nowinski with this nervous twitch, uh, always you know, with his jersey on the side. I don't know what yeah. that thing was. He but did that, always do that. That bugged the crap out of me, man. As soon as he's running back down the court. You know, arguing, arguing with the ref, he has to do that. Um, yeah, so, I mean, Mark Cuban, too, I wouldn't be surprised if he was drunk. But anyways, we'll stop talking about drunk stuff. What we got next, John? Well, no, I mean, I just, I think it's all part of that Dallas culture, that Dallas mindset, that Dallas uh, franchise that we have, again, for a very, you know, six, it's been 16 years since we played this team in the playoffs. And obviously, since then, we've both kind of had a decline and had a resurrection mm-hmm. coming with the 2008 NBA draft. Uh, 
Matthew, tell me a little bit about how, what the 2008 NBA draft means relative to this series. 2018? Yes. I'm sorry. I thought you said 2008. Um, I was like, whoa, team... I'm going to have to go back a little yeah. bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, hold on. Let me just Google. Uh, was it the Michael Family draft? I don't know. Uh, no. I'm going to say, you know, of course, Luka Doncic, DeAndre Aiden. One thing I didn't know going into the series, it's like, okay, so Aiden, what is he, 8-1 and one or 13-3 and three or something against Luka Doncic, or I think it's 8-1, right? Against Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks ever since the draft. Um if Aiton were to, if the Suns were to win this series, well, say let's say four or five games, pretty handily, mm-hmm. Aiton mm-hmm. is perfect. The way he's been playing every playoff since every playoff series since he's been drafted, he's very efficient. Everyone sees that. Still, is not talked about. If Aiton were to win this series with the Suns, if he goes on to win, maybe because I bet twenty five bucks on it to win twenty five hundred uh, NBA Finals MVP, <laughs> could we just say the Suns finally made the right pick? I mean, I of course we get. <laughs> We get the good excuse that Aiden was chosen by the Suns because of he's he's the Arizona guy. I don't believe in that. He played high school here, went to U of A. Does anybody even still remember that he went to U of A? I never think about that when I see him. Um, but could we just say that he was the correct pick for the Suns and how he plays in this playoff series will be huge. I just don't think that we'll ever get over that unless they go head-to-head in the playoffs like this series. This is why I'm actually really, really excited about it. Of course, I love to see Mikael Bridges and DeAndre Ayton go head-to-head with Luka, but the way that Ayton can dominate a game, it'll be shown. And if he kind of can overshadow Luka in the series, he can finally, I feel like, be the best pick in that track. Or else how long do we have to go? How many more seasons do we have to go? How many more injuries of Luka Doncic? And how many more times does he have to come into a season fat until we realize, like, Aiton might have been the best pick of that draft, and it maybe it wasn't Luca. So I'm, that's what I'm hoping for in this. I know I shouldn't worry about that because we have Devin Booker. He's our he's our superstar, but still, I want that validation for DeAndre Aiton. Yeah, I mean, the way that I look at it is sometimes I think Suns fans, really basketball fans in general, forget where the state of the Suns were at that time. And I always said it, and I will say it a million times over. If the Suns didn't pick Aiton at number one in 2018, mm-hmm. Phoenix would have rioted. I b- truly believe that. Because let's say we did draft Luca and he was a bust. You know, Suns fans would have been pissed. Um, yeah. But yeah, and I feel like we're going to be having this conversation for years because obviously these guys' careers aren't done. Um, and it's, it's going to be fun. This is just another, you know, we were talking about the history between the Suns and the Mavs. This is adding to that. This is literally that ge- this generation's you know, Suns, Mavs, um, you know, rival and how it keeps building up and everything. And don't forget, Mikhail Bridges was part of that draft, too. Oh, yeah. um, Yeah. You know, so I'm just excited. Um, And I I truly do believe we made the best pick. And if last year's incredible finals run didn't prove that to many Suns fans, I don't know what Mm -hmm. to tell you. But we'll say Aiden's got to kind of keep following up with this playoff series. He's been pretty good, but we, we all know he can be better. Well, and that's the point with this series and one of the, you know, one of the reasons I bring it up because it will be a continual point of emphasis because good, bad or indifferent, these two players will be compared with each other for the remainder of their career. It's just the way it goes, right? They're both in the NBA draft of uh, in that season. What's interesting is since that draft that Luka Doncic wa- finally won his first playoff series this past uh, series against the mat <laughs> or the, the, the jazz where he barely played in it. Um, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, you look at the records, right? I mean, we put together the best record in the NBA this year, the second best record in the NBA last year. Uh, the Suns since that draft against the Mavs are 11 and three. 
DeAndre Ayton is eight and one against in games in which he has played against Luka Doncic. So everything tells you uh, that yes, Luka is the best is the better player, the better individual player. But as far as a team fit guy, as Dean in Saint, uh, Dean St. Louis says in the chat, uh, Ayton is the better team fit player, and that's been that's been proven. But that all that's all that doesn't matter now. That eleven and three doesn't matter. That nine and one, between, you know, versus Luca for Aiton doesn't matter because it comes down to a best of seven game series in this chapter exactly. of this rivalry, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's why I just hope that. I mean, I, we're gonna have many more instances where the Suns go head to head, of course. Exactly, um, and I think we're gonna have the same kind of matchups where we're gonna have the three core guys of Devin Booker, Aiton, and McHale, hopefully still on this team. Even though I just saw a some post um, from what what is the um, the blogging site for the Mavericks? They posted something recently about how McHale Bridges was actually in, involved in a trade in 2018, 2019 to the Mavericks. Um, hmm. I don't know when that was. I think it was mid-season or something. And that would have been crazy, right? Because you would have had Luca and then Mikhail Bridges. That, that duo is even scarier than almost, I mean, a DeAndre and, and Mikhail Bridges, just not defensively, but just all around. Like you have that backup defense and you also have Luka Doncic offensively. Um, but of course, the Suns got the better out of the two. I think those two pairing together defensively and offensively is something that you cannot control really if you're an opposing team. So this matchup though, it's something that we're going to see in the future a lot more. I just, it'd be a good start, right? Just to kind of go in there with their ass, but it's going to be a little bit more difficult than I think it might be. Yeah. I feel like a lot of Suns Twitter after going through the Pelicans, after being challenged in ways that I don't know if everybody was ready to be challenged, Looking at the Mavericks is almost an appetizing series because a lot of people think we have a clear advantage over that team. So let's talk a little bit about that team. Dallas Mavericks this season, uh, they ended the, the season with a record of 52 and 30. They had 108 points per game, which was eighth in the NBA, and they only gave up 104.7 opposing points per game, which is second best in the league. Their offensive rating was 112.8, which was 15th. Their defensive rating was 109.4, which was sixth in the NBA. Rebounding 24th, which is a metric that I I put up on this graphic that we're showing on our YouTube channel. So if you're listening, head over to YouTube, hit hit the like button. Uh, And I think that's important because we just went against a team that was like 11th in the the league in rebounding. Three-point pursuiting shooting percentage. They're 19th in the league as they make 35% of their threes, yet they attempt the eighth most threes at 37.4. So Brandon, as you take a look at some of those metrics, looking at Dallas, Kind of give me uh, your your thirty thousand foot view of who this team is, and you know what you think their strengths are, and what worries you about this team. Well, first off, beautiful graphic. I need to learn how to do graphics like that myself. Well, thank you. <laughs> but um, you know, this team's good, and if the if this Pelicans uh, last series taught us anything, is that we cannot underestimate the Dallas Mavericks. I mean, I have all the confidence in the world in the Phoenix Suns, but I know they're at least going to take one game from us, and I think that is an absolute fact. Uh, this team has also been one of the most improved teams, I want to say, since the trade deadline, mm-hmm. maybe before All-Star Weekend and everything. I mean, you know, sometimes you make that in-house change and it really works out for you because you got Spencer Dinwiddie on the graphic. He's been one of those players that's really stepped up for them. Uh, but, yeah, this team can play. And I also think they've been one of the most clutch teams since their trade. And, um, 
you know, I don't know if we're going to be talking about it, but Jalen Brunson, man, that's a guy that we all got to keep an eye out for. This guy can absolutely uh, play. I think uh, during the Jazz series, I think he averaged 28 uh, points per game. Uh, he had a 41-point explosion. Yeah, thank you for pulling up that graphic. Uh, and just the numbers are off the charts. You know, 48 shootings, 48, 36, and 84 shooting splits. The guy can play. He's going to be fun to watch. Uh, but the Suns do have a better defense than the Utah Jazz. So, uh, mm -hmm. And again, the, the Mavericks are here for a reason. And they have a really Hall of Fame head, well, Hall of Fame player head coach in Jason Kidd. And, you know, he's won a championship before. Um, so the series isn't going to be easy, but uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Matthew, what do you what jumps out at you when you look at this Mavericks team? Oh, first of all, I wish we had the pace of play up there. I don't know where that stat is at, John. I mean, uh, <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I'll, 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 I'll tell you real quick, I'm totally though. Joking, I'll tell you, son of a bitch. Yeah. Uh, their, their pace of play is last in the league. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That yes. is where <clears throat> that's that's the big thing here. I, I really think I mean, small ball has been a topic of really any discussion, any kind of press conference really leading up to this interviewing DA where he talks about small ball and like defensive matchups. But the smaller, the better, I feel like for the Suns, um, the way they can push this game with the Pelicans, I feel like their hustle, uh, their size. With their size, I actually thought that maybe the Suns could outplay them. You know, they'd have to go smaller, but that wasn't the case. This in this in this instance with the Mavericks, the Suns can soup they can stay small, but they can actually grab the boards too. So when they're grabbing the boards or pushing the pace, and actually defensively, if they can get into passing lanes, their defense always leads a good offense. So mm -hmm. this last series was tough because you could they can never really separate themselves from the Pelicans. I feel like they mm -hmm. can do more of that with the Mavericks because they can go on better runs. And one thing with the runs is if the Mavericks, you know, Luca's passing it out, dishing it out three after three after three to Finney Smith Jr. to Bullock, then that's the timeouts. The timeouts are huge Got in the series. Runs. You have, yep. Well, mm -hmm. I mean, the one point a game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he comes, you know what? Bertons has been better. He has been making yeah. one or two threes a game. So when that happens, that's when the, that's when the timeouts have to yep. make, Safety Monty timeout. has to make sure that those timeouts are called because yeah. He's been so much better with that, but this will be a game of runs. I feel like it won't be yeah. anything like the Timberwolves Ugh. and what the Grizzlies, Grizzlies went through. Jesus. It's like a 20-point <laughs> run and then a 20-point run again from the other team. But the Suns can get out. They can get out to leads, I feel like, a 10 points, 15 points in the series. It's just really maintaining that. It's kind of, yep. you know, if if Doncic goes off, he hits two step-back threes out of his 15 he attempts. If he hits two of them in a row then, you know, timeout. Don't let them heat up at all. They can get, I think actually the duos for the playoffs, I had this pulled up really quick. So the duos for the playoffs, like Finney Smith Jr., out of the 13 top duos in the playoffs so far, the Mavericks have two, or I'm sorry, three of them. And Finney Smith Jr. is in there with uh, Brunson, Doncic, and Bullock too. Uh, the Suns have two. So of course that's Mikhail Bridges, Chris Paul, and the other one is Mikael Bridges and DeAndre Ayton. Mm -hmm. So whoever you're pairing Finney Smith Jr. with in this series, it's going to be interesting because I feel like they can go on runs with any of these guys that's on the court. Uh, you said defensively, we are better defensively, but the way, I don't know, but dude, the way Bullock is, this is going to be tough. Our Brunson, the Former way Brunson son, is, the way. <laughs> yeah. For like two yeah. Way, yeah. The way Brunson is, you kind of want Cameron Payne to match him in a way, but that's almost going to be impossible because uh, 
when you have Brunson in there with Doncic, which actually really happens because Brunson does such a good job with the second unit, they're almost unstoppable getting to the rim. So that's going to be difficult and the dish, the dish outs and all that. So the Suns defensively, it's going to be a different task. You know, of course, they focus on the boards in the first round, but the ball's going to be flying around everywhere. It really is. So to actually have that off of the off ball defense to recover on the weak side, that's something the Suns, I think, are really good at. So these runs that the Mavericks are going to try to go on, they just have to make sure that they keep them at a minimum. And that will, I think that will make it an easy series for the Suns because if you can just make sure that that is a minimum, these games can be easier to win than it was against the Pelicans. Well, what's going to be interesting is how their rotations are because when Luka came back, they started bringing in Spencer Dinwiddie off the bench. you know, And he did a lot of that in his time with the uh, the Pel or the Pelicans, the Mavericks this season, you know, you take a look at during his time with them, uh, you know, he, I think he played what twenty three games with the the Dallas Mavericks, and of those games, I think only seven of them he actually started, which is kind of scary because he's a more physical uh, scoring type coming off of the bench. Who, mm-hmm. so I feel like he's going to be the one who's going to have to match with campaign a little bit more. So, you know, you got you guys both touched on a bunch of great things there, and I want to talk about some of those things. You know, one, when it comes to defense, what gives the Suns problems is when the opposition is attacking our guards, right? Mm-hmm. That's We are a guard-first team with Devin Booker, with Chris Paul, having two guys uh, who, who like to initiate the offense. The Pelicans did a good job of just kind of playing that full-court annoying defense. You're not going to get that. From Luka Doncic, trust me on that. Mm-hmm. You know, Jalen Brunson, you might see some of it. Spencer Dinwiddie, and he when he's in there, you might see some of it, but you're not going to get it consistently, right? So it'll be interesting to see if they do start with Bullock, you know, guarding uh, either one of Devin Booker or Chris Paul, just to add some length out there uh, to try to pester and annoy. But I really doubt that we're going to see that. This is a team, as you mentioned, Matthew, last in the league in, in pace. They're last in pace thus far in the uh, the playoffs as well. They're a team that doesn't like to get out and run. And what killed us? What killed us in, in the Pelican series when that team utilized their offense or their, their rebounding ability and got the ball out to run? This team will rebound, but they're not going to, due to their lack of length, much akin to the Suns. They're a very similar sized team to the Phoenix Suns. They've got Dwight Powell in the middle, who is 6'10, just like DeAndre Ayton. He's good. He's damn good. But they don't play him a bunch. They play yeah. him. 21 minutes a game. So he doesn't get a ton of minutes. They use him when they need size. This is a team that loves, you know, much akin to the Clippers. They're a team that has a lot of wings. They like to play a lot of the five out. And that's what they did ad nauseum to the Jazz. So, and the Jazz, you can do that too. You can't do that with Phoenix, right? So you're not going to see, you know, I highly doubt that we're going to be sitting here on a post-game podcast saying we need the double big lineup, right? We need JaVale out there with Bismack or JaVale and and DA. We're not going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking more about like the Torrey Craig production because guess what? This is a prime series for Torrey Craig to make an impact, right? Uh, A lot of these wing players, some that we have a strength of too, uh, ours are more defensively minded and better. That's what we're going to be talking about is their production when they're in the game. Uh, going through some of their players, you know, we'll obviously start start with the guy who kind of runs it all. That's Luka Doncic. You know, played three games thus far in the playoffs after a strained calf kept him out of the first three games of the series with the Utah Jazz uh, in the playoffs. Twenty nine, six and eleven, 
36.7% from beyond the arc. Uh, what, what really kind of caught me off guard is you look at, you know, during the regular season, he, he had an offensive rating of one or 113.8, a defensive rating of 110.3. You look in the playoffs, 112.6 offensive rating and a 90.3 defensive rating. Suns Geek, why, why is that defensive rating so low? Is it because uh, Donovan Mitchell's that shit? <laughs> it's probably because, I don't know, the Mavericks, they're maybe ma- been making adjustments or just Luka doesn't play defense. Um, I don't know. I really don't know to, to that one. Yeah, I was kind of shocked like that now about that. Now, granted, everything starts with Luka, right? I mean, yep. he is a, a premier talent. You have to respect the talent that is Luka Doncic, right, Matthew? Yeah, yeah. And the, the best thing that the Mavericks did this year is getting rid of Porzingis. Something, another guy you don't have to worry about, um, you know, having the ball, thinking he's the actual main guy, which he maybe wasn't even a second guy. Uh, you know, I always wondered who would play with Luka Doncic, who would be a good star. Maybe it is nobody. Maybe it's just the dimwitties of the world. It's uh, the Bertans that can come in and hit two threes. It's just these random guys that can just be efficient in other places, but not be a star like Luka. That's when Luka's really efficient. Um, but when when we're playing against Luka, what to expect? You know, in, in clutch moments, it's going to be interesting because closing out the games, if they are close, it's going to be a lot of Luka, of course, step backs. What's Luka going to do with the ball? It hurts mm-hmm. him or it doesn't hurt him. I would say maybe, if, I don't know, from what I've watched of Luka, maybe less than half the time Luka can pull off, you know, the 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 crazy game winner. I'm just saying if it's a, like a last second shot or something like that, because he can get to the rim, he can finish if he wants to. If he doesn't want to do the step back, which I would rather take the step back, he can get to the rim at will. I know we had the Mikhail Bridges, DeAndre Ayton force against Luka, but even the way he can just handle his business on the floor, moving his big butt around, getting to where he wants to go, that is impossible to stop. That's why I kind of want these leads to be like 10 points, 15 points going into like the last five minutes because Luca can get hot and Luca can get the rim, draw the fouls. Um, that's one thing that's going to be really scary. But of course, I'm not, you know, I think the Suns can handle the series. Um, I just think the Mavericks did a good job of surrounding him with really good, efficient players in other areas other than like a poor Zingas. You don't need Luca and another guy. I know that Mark Cuban said, hey, I'm not going to get rid of Luca and Porzingis. I, I made the mistake once with Dirk Nowinski and Steve Nash. That's different because I feel like those two players could have probably played well together for forever, but a Porzingis who thinks he's still the number one does not exist with Luca. Luca's the number one, and then you have like the he's like just one by himself, and then you have the three, four, five. So it's not like a number two next to him. He just needs these other guys to help him out in other areas. And if I know Mark Cuban like I think I do, he wants to win. <laughs> so he probably was like, look, even though I said I don't want to trade Porzingis and all that, I got to do it, you know, because mm-hmm. I want to yeah. win. I want to get to the playoffs and, and win know, a series. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And it might have been mean, Jason Kidd to tell him, like, hey, like, yeah. I can't work this. And again. in all fairness, I mean, Porzingis did have some injuries, but it just wasn't working. Even prior to that, in my opinion, just wasn't working. Sure, you maybe could have played the waiting game a little longer, but like, they wasn't going to work. Well, to Matthew's point, when it comes to the clutch minutes, that's where, you know, it's going to be 100% usage rate from Luka Doncic, right? Yeah. And that's where, you know, a lot of people are talking about how excited they are to see Mikhail Bridges versus Luka in this series, right? And I think that all three of us can readily agree with that statement. I want to see Mikhail Bridges on Luka Doncic. We know we're not going to get a ton of that because the Mavs are smart. They're going to do everything they can to switch. I mean, if you literally watch any of that Jazz series, that's all Luka did, especially in that last game, right? He just kept switching to get Gobert on him. 
Yep. Kept switching at Gobert on him. And the great thing with the Suns is he can do that, but it's a plus matchup defensively, in my opinion, for pretty much every member of the Suns in those situations. We're going to have the ability to force Luka Doncic into, into some of those crazy three-pointers or to get the ball out of his hands and make somebody else beat us, which other members of this team could. A couple of things of note, clutch statistics this year for Luka Doncic. Uh, 29 games played, he was 21-8. and eight. He shot 48.4% from the field in those clutch minutes, was 6 for 26 from beyond the arc, which was 23.1% from deep. Uh, that's one thing that I find really interesting. Uh, 17 rebounds, 15 assists, was a plus 27 this year in clutch time minutes. So, you know, he is a, te- a, a guy who can perform well in the clutch. And again, if you can force him into shooting a three in those moments, the statistics say that 23.1% of the time this season, uh, the three actually went in, which is not good, right? So that's kind of the goal. If you're the Suns and you find yourself in those situations, you, you know, a, a close game late, you want to do anything you can to ensure that he has the ball in his hands and he's the one who's actually shooting it versus dishing it out. Because again, you know, he had 15 assists in the in that time frame. He had 17 rebounds and, I, and uh, they were all defensive rebounds, okay? So it's not like he's crashing the glass on offense and, and getting second chance points that way. Uh, looking at other threats on this team, if you will, Suns Geek already beat me to the punch. Talk about Jalen Brunson. He's been an aberration th- thus far in the playoffs. 27.8 points per game. 4.2 assists, four rebounds. He shot 48.4% from uh, the field and 36.4% from beyond the arc. Has an offensive rating of 116.9 and a defensive rating of 110. Uh, Matthew, Jalen Brunson, thoughts on this guy? Well, he has that it factor where, you know, I want what I'm looking for in this series is, you know, the thing that Alvarado and a lot of Pelicans had last game, including Herb Jones, is just that, that, I don't want to even say the word, but the swagger, the good bat, the good body language, the body yeah, language that you yeah. want on a player that knows what the hell he's doing out there, right? Two guys, Cameron Payne and Shamit, they are, their their body language has not been great. It has not been consistent. Even walking through the hallways to the locker room, I'm not very, I'm not a very big fan of them walking through the hallways of the locker room. <laughs> I don't think it looks good. I think these guys need to build off of this series against the Brunson to show him up and make sure that they are the better uh, bench. The mm-hmm. Suns can have the better bench in this, but it's really up to those two guys. Jalen Brunson can win us, win them a lot of minutes. But he's not a bench guy. Well, he was, he had, he came off the bench six times, right? No, he started yeah. all six games. Well, then what am I looking at? I don't know. All right, let me see. I don't I know. He came off the oh, yeah. for a while, but he, he did, bad. but they they unlock something yeah. by starting him. Exactly. Having him next to Luka Doncic, he's a physical player. He's somebody who, as Matthew mentioned, can get to the rim. Mm-hmm. So instead of having like a spot up shooter like a Spencer Denwitty next to Luka, mm-hmm. having Jalen out there who's another playmaking guard who plays with physicality on both ends of the court has unlocked something with this team. So he's somebody who, you know, this is who Devin Booker's going to be guarding. This is who, you know, they're they're going to try, you know, you're probably going to see a little bit of bridges on him, you know, some of that Villanova on yep. Villanova stuff going on. So Matthew completely change your analysis now. Yeah, but even like the well the points and the minutes played per game, uh the 38 minutes, I thought it said he was cuz I checked that. I'm like because I didn't watch a lot of the Mavericks playoff games. You know, I didn't oh, I watch watched, I watched a ton of them cuz I knew we were going to be playing them. 
Yeah, and I don't know how people do anything because how do you even have a fucking life outside of watching the suns all the goddamn time? So <laughs> I try to do my best. <laughs> um, so okay, so Brunson, if you bring up the idea of Devin Booker guarding him, so one thing that is definitely like overlooked with uh, Devin Booker is his defense, of course, mm-hmm. but his off-ball defense too with Jalen Brunson. That's gonna be one thing. If you have Mikael Bridges so focused in on Luka Doncic, you have. You know, DeAndre and all eyes on him, you know, and make sure, hey, Aiden, what Luca looks at too is how long you've been in the paint. If it's almost three seconds, he's going to go right after you because he knows you can't stand there that long. Um, so that's one thing to look at. But also, just the way Booker can guard these guys off the ball has improved so much. So then, if, if you're worried about these guys kicking it out, who's going to be there? Booker. He's going to be there and he's going to be on top of these guys. So, sorry, Jamsters. I didn't know he was starting last series. And you could take all my analysis and just throw it out the window and just, you know, listen to something else. The thing that I'm going to be looking forward <laughs> to is Luca draws in so much gravity. So even if they do kick it out, just the sun's got to be ready. Like Jay Crowder's got to be ready. Cam Johnson's got to be ready. Mm-hmm. Booker's got to be ready. Cause yeah, Jalen Brunson averaged 28 points per game, but they got other guys too. So the sun's got to be ready. And I think that's one kind of blessing in disguise with our last series was like, the Suns, they they know what they need to do now. They sort of got that ass kicking out of the way in yes. a way. And I'm not saying you guys get my point. Is that yes. they know what to do. Players like Tory Craig, hopefully, are going to step up. Hopefully, mm-hmm. campaign plays more under control. Hopefully, the defense is better. And the I guess the thing I'm a little worried about with Luca is like just and I'm I promise I'm not going to talk about Scott Foster, but just <laughs> him getting those all-star calls, you know, the Suns staying on their feet, not getting those little ticky tack fouls, you know, and by playing under controlled defense. So We're all going to hate Luca by the end of the yeah, series because exactly. of those calls. No, you're, yep. you're definitely right. And when, when I look at how Jalen Brunson took the NBA by storm <laughs> this last series, remember one thing. This is Utah Jazz. Yep. Okay, that's, that's saying something. Well, what is that saying? Well, here's how he scored his points, okay? He scored 30 of his total points in that series on Bojan Bogdanovic. What are your guys' thoughts on Bogdanovich relative to defense? Not a defensive player, just Bingo. a score. Donovan Mitchell. 30 points on Donovan Mitchell. Turnstile Over, on defense. Overhyped defender. <laughs> overhyped CJ Isn't Collier. that crazy? <laughs> yeah, he's just all of a sudden overhyped just a player. shit player, right? After that series, He's not a shit player, but he's not a good defensive everyone's player. Everyone's just saying he's just well, he's Donovan Mitchell, you know? Better Sorry, than Booker, yes, now man. he's a shit player. Well, exactly, because everyone's realizing how much defense is important. And we I've been saying Mm -hmm. I've been beating that drum for years on Donovan Mitchell. It's like he's like Devin Booker, but with no defense. And I can't predict the future, but the Jazz might be blowing it up soon. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I I would not doubt somebody big's going over there. Royce O'Neal, 29 points. Jalen Brunson scored on him in the last series. Not a great defender. Mike Conley, 26 points on him. Not a great defender. Rudy Gobert got be. 17 on. Yeah, used to be. <laughs> used to be. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my point there is the Jalen Brunson had a great series, and he's going to attack. Mm-hmm. He's the one guy I'm worried about. <clears throat> Excuse me. He's the one guy I'm worried about uh, getting to the line outside of Luka. Yeah. Getting some of those fouls, because he is going to attack that, that basket. He'll get those favorite calls, you know. Well, he'll get the ones where he jumps into people and because yep. he's smaller and he falls off of them, we'll get called with a foul. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that like what Jose Alvarado tried to do to Jay Crowder. Start getting all star calls. I mean, this guy's yeah. a rookie. <laughs> yeah. You know, he just falls over in the lane and they're like, oh, you know, um, 
yeah, we're just going to give him the call. But my point when it comes to Jalen Brunson is I think that we have an advantage there. And, and don't get me wrong, he's a great player. He's a great scorer. But he's not going to be as great of a player and as great of a score in this series against these defenders. And I think it's something to to keep note of and see who's tracking him. Because Devin Booker is a much better defender than the likes of Donovan Mitchell, Royce O'Neal, Bojan Bakhtanov. I'm sorry to cut you off, John, Go but I'm it. curious how DeAndre Ayton's going to be guarding these people too. Because in my opinion, DeAndre Ayton's a really good like one-on-one defender. Usually stays on his feet. He loves guarding guards. I've said that. Oh, yeah. So many times. It's true. If you were to ask DeAndre Ayton that, he'd say, yeah, I love guarding guards. So curious to yeah. see how that's going to work. If he can be an X factor on defense, too. I mean, in terms of like he will be in Jalen Brunson. Yeah, exactly. That's going to be, be huge because you look at this and yeah, if Jalen Brunson, you know, again, one of the issues that they had in the last series is they played a lot of that five out. And, and by they, I mean, the jazz, they played a lot of that five out. So when Jalen Brunson would blow by uh, Donovan Mitchell, you would have Rudy Gobert defending the perimeter because that's yep. where his guy was. And he would have to bleed in to try to create some semblance of shot deterrence. And because it was such a far bleed in, there'd be a dished pass out to the perimeter. And then boom, next thing you know, Reggie Bullock's hitting a three. There you was one time play, and time again. Sorry yeah. to interrupt you. There was one play where Jalen Brunson literally had like Rudy Gobert in a spin cycle. Oh, yeah. He just looked lost out there. And, and DeAndre Ayton won't be doing that. Yeah. No, and so also the. Stay on your feet. The weak side rotation from um, Aiden. You know, this last series, he's he's really good at it if he wants to be, of course. This last series is a few times where you saw Aiden kind of just, you know, not making the effort to get over and swap. But if he doesn't have to worry about the rebounding, if he doesn't have to worry about another big, Facts. I think he's going to have a field day in like, you know, two or three blocks a game, something like that, where he can rotate to these guys trying to get to the rim. And, you know, if they have nowhere to go, because you have that good weak side defense from, like, Devin Booker, everyone's kind of guarding their man on the perimeter, then you can have Aiden there, you know, nowhere to go. You got to throw a shot up. There's the block. So that's where I think Aiden's going to look really good. Um, but also Aaron Holiday. So how long do we give? I know Brunson, you know, he's a guy that's a starter. He, he starts. <laughs> he started six out of the last six games last season, <laughs> our last, last series. So him being a starter, but I'm just thinking about Aaron Holiday. And like how much he can be pesky on like a Brunson, because they're like basically the same size, right? They're both six one, six feet tall and solid. If if he can be that guy that's annoying, which we did see when he played defensively, if we need something, if we just need a pesky guy, if Brunson's Forced like turnovers. running the show at times where it's like Brunson driving us crazy at home, do we throw in Aaron Holiday just for you know a few minutes? I mean, that's what we I, did before, and I kind of doubt worked. it. I doubt that Monty will do that. I mean. Suns Geek, you can tell me what you think, but knowing that it took Cameron Payne getting three fouls in the first half until the first time we saw Aaron Holiday in meaningful minutes mm-hmm. tells me something. That tells me that even in those situations, Monty Williams is going to stick with his guys and his rotations, and it's going to be campaign coming off the bench unless we're forced into a situation. Now, that being said, in a seven-game series, there is a possibility down the line. You're not going to open up with that, right? You're not going to show all 52 cards you have in your in your hand or in your mm-hmm. deck. You're going to show, you know, the nine of spades here. Okay, now here's the three of hearts. Okay, now the seven of diamonds. You're going to you're going to throw out these different little wrinkles as the series progresses and maybe one of those wrinkles to your point Matthew is bringing in Holiday for a 4-minute stretch on Jalen Brunson to see how he responds to it because yeah, yeah. as much as we appreciate Aaron Holiday's effort and his intensity it doesn't always equate to success on the court offensively yes he can hit some threes but we've seen him in the point guard 
role, he does get a little bit lost. Defensively, he does bring some intensity, but I don't know against the likes of an Aaron Holiday how that actually translates. That's what's exciting kind of about this matchup with the Mavericks is like we don't want to show all of our cards, but at the same time, we have so many like defensive weapons, long wings and everything. We haven't even talked about Chris Paul yet. Could see what happens with that. Um, and I, I know they're probably not going to be guarding Jalen Brunson, but Cameron Johnson, maybe Tory Craig's got to step up this series. So that's going to be exciting to see. But and I don't know if you really want to like experiment too much during the playoffs, but we saw it in the first round with Aaron Holiday, maybe for a couple minutes here and there mm-hmm. just to see what happens. And I mean, God forbid we get into foul trouble, but that might come down to it. If we get into foul trouble, Aaron Holiday, get in there. Well, and again, this is a series that does benefit us because of, and and almost every series kind of benefits the Suns. That's what makes this team so fun for us and dangerous for the opposition is because we have size depth, we have guard depth, we have wing depth, we have all three. You know, the the whole five by three kind of uh, uh, philosophy of James Jones is this roster personified. So I do think that it's a possibility that we see some of those minutes uh, what will be really interesting is to see how the Phoenix Suns can attack some of these wing players and try to make them zeros. You know, you look at like Reggie Bullock, for example. You know, in the playoffs, you know, almost 11 points a game, six rebounds per game, shooting 40.5% from beyond the arc. Uh, but he's more of a defensive-minded player. He has 116 offensive rating in the playoffs, 113.3 during the regular season. Uh, in the regular season, he was 107, 106.7 defensive rating, and he's at 107.8 in the playoffs. Matthew, when you look at Reggie Bullock, is he one of those X-factor guys that you just you have to shut down? You can't let this guy go for almost 11 points a game, right? Yeah, he was the first guy where, you know, I was looking up the roster, you know, two minutes before the podcast to do my research, and I was thinking <laughs> <Yeah>. that... <laughs> I was thinking that Reggie Bullock was going to be that guy that's going to be the annoyance. He's going to be the guy in the corner hitting those threes and big times during the game. Uh, I I don't know when I when I look overall with the defense, the Suns matching up with these guys. I just think it's so much in the Suns' favor because they do have even like a Shan. Even when Shan comes in, he plays really good perimeter defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of these guys, even Cameron Johnson, who just he seems like he needs a little bit more of his footing back, but he can still stay on some guys' perimeter on the perimeter. Um, because they can get hot from three on the Mavericks side. So you kind of think about how are they going to match up. And the Suns, they just, they're so much better defensively in a situation where they're comfortable with. And I think perimeter defense, they're really good at. And I think they kind of have that throughout the roster where these guys can match up with the Mavericks on the perimeter. And a guy like Bullock can't really get too hot in a situation unless Monty's not calling his timeouts where he's just lighting them up from three and he's just hitting these big shots after big shots left wide open because I just don't see that. But of course, once we go through game one, there might be something where I'm watching and I'm just like, okay, here we go. Like I didn't think of this. I didn't think of this with the Mavericks. This might be something, this might be a player like, cause you just don't know because we haven't played this team in the playoffs. We're not familiar with it. Like back in the old days where it was like the same series over and over again, it seemed like. So it'll be interesting to see what the Mavericks have on the Suns that we just didn't even think about. I'm not thinking it's three-point shooting or the wide-open threes like the Pelicans gave the Suns. I just, you know, if the coverage is there and they make the shots difficult, it's just going to be a difficult series for the Mavericks. Make the shots difficult. I mean, you obviously don't want Reggie Bullock to get hot. You don't want any player to get hot on their team. But, I mean, he's a guy that could get hot. 
And it, it, it's kind of like when that Pel- Pelican series, I said a lot. I was like, you know, CJ McCollum and Brandon Ingram are going to get theirs. Jalen yeah. Brunson and Luca are going to get theirs most likely. Let's stop everybody else. If we can stop him, that's going to be. And I feel like you guys on your podcast and me and my show and everything, we're going to be having two different conversations from game one to game two because you know they're going to make adjustments. Oh, yeah. Someone's probably going to get hot. But again, someone could get hot on the Suns too. And that's actually kind of what we really need right now, especially our bench. Yes. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. But yeah, Reggie Bullock can get hot. Those were really good shooting percentages in the playoffs. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Well, looking at the the overall rosters, you know, the, the advantage, in my opinion, definitely is for the Phoenix Suns. And there's a reason why a lot of people are confident when they talk about Phoenix in this series. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, even Luka Doncic, uh, you know, via at Brad uh, at town, Brad, Brad Townsend, <laughs> Luka Doncic said, I think we're going to have to ha- play great games to beat them. Almost perfect games. Mm-hmm. How do you guys feel the Suns can offensively take advantage of the roster that the Mavericks are going to put forth? You know, we've talked a lot about what we expect the Mavericks to do on offense, how they are going to try to attack the Phoenix Suns. How are we going to attack them? Do you guys think Matthew? Moving the ball. I think Mm -hmm. making them dizzy with the passes. The thing is when the Suns, like a well-oiled machine that they are at times during the season until like the last few weeks where they had nothing to play for, they the passing was Chris the point five offense just passing mm-hmm. the ball making sure that you know the 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 shot that's thrown up is the correct shot. That's how you can make this Mavericks team tired. That's going on runs. You know Jay Crowder open for three. Uh, on, you know because I feel like this last series Jay didn't have too many wide open threes. A lot of them seemed like they were forced. Exactly. I just think Jay. Jay mm-hmm. gets a lot of good looks this series. I feel like the Suns get a lot of good looks because of the ball movement. Of course, it starts with DeAndre Ayton in the middle. I mean, if he's going to have a field day, if they keep feeding him down there, I, I saw someone in chat earlier. I should have started it and I didn't, but I think it was just, <laughs> I think it was just Blaze Megatron. He said, give the ball to DA and mm-hmm. that's it. That's a series. And it should be. And mm-hmm. then if he's doubled, pass it out. You have these guys wide open for three. Mikhail Bridges is looking really good from three. Chris Paul, Devin Booker, of course. And then Jay's the only other guy out there. And Cameron Johnson, when he comes in to when they're wide open, they need to hit their wide open shots. So to me, I feel like every series going down the line starts with DeAndre Aiden and it's going to mm-hmm. end with DeAndre Aiden. So when he gets the ball and he just, you know, is he's finessing himself on dudes like he does the greatest as the, some of the greatest out there. It's it might be too easy at times, but then once they start doubling them, those passes will come out, and then also Chris Paul will find the hot guy because I feel like those pick and rolls are going to be run up top. There's always going to be somebody open, and the way I'm talking about this, it just seems like an easy matchup. But that's just the way I see us playing against this Mavericks team, and it could be something else, like I said, that we just haven't seen yet. But right now, I just think the way they move the ball all season long is something that the Mavericks can't keep up with. I'll, I'll totally agree and echo a lot of that, but I think this really comes down to players like Jay Crowder and Landry Shamit and Cam Johnson just hitting shots. I'm not saying you need to be a perfect 10 for 10, but just hit your shots. And as you mentioned, Matthew, move that ball. I didn't see much of that throughout the Pelicans series. Move the ball, play .5 offense, play Phoenix Suns basketball. Um, and, and I just was talking about the Mavericks, how like somebody like Reggie Bullock could go off. Well, I know he receives a lot of like uh, hate throughout Suns Twitter and everything. But what if like Landry Shamit goes off? We saw a game in the playoffs where JaVale McGee had 13 points. What if we get players like that just stepping up, even if it is just a 13 
or a 20 point performance, or maybe Mikhail Bridges has another offensive explosion. That's going to be huge. And again, we haven't talked about Chris Paul yet. Chris Paul, you know, he's going to carry us home if we need to. He's going to have one of those incredible games again. And we're going to see if we can get 90% of Devin Booker in this series. We're good. I'm confident. And another thing, too, with DeAndre Ayton, that mid range, I swear, he must have, he has, he has to have been spending hours mastering that mid range shot. He even surprised me. Like, I knew he could hit the mid range, I knew he's been shooting more from the mid range, but it is just so confident. And like, when it goes up, especially throughout as the series went on, I was like, that's going in. And uh, this couple yeah. seasons ago, I don't think we saw that. We saw a hesitant DeAndre Ayton shooting that mid range shot. And since they play small ball, Get DeAndre Ayton and JaVale McGee in the post and just eat. So it's going to be so exciting. I'm, I'm so excited, you guys. Yeah, I'm, I'm stoked for this series. The point there you go. Chris Paul gets his own <laughs> drop in this one, man. There you go. We're, we're, we're talking about him. You know, to echo both of your points and to put a little bit of a statistical analysis behind it, in the, in the last series, Jay Crowder, 11.5% from beyond the arc. Cameron Payne, 16.7. Landry Shamit, 21.4. Tory Craig, 25%. It's a horrible number. Shots got to start falling. The shots have to fall for the role players on this Phoenix Suns team. And if they do, this should be a fairly easy series. I honestly don't think that the, the... Mavericks, what they did against the Jazz does not apply here. It's yep. a different kind of defensive team, so they can't attack us. It's a whole the way different that we, series. Whole, whole different series. And and the way that we can attack their offense, you know, Dwight Powell is somebody who he does roam the interior. He he very rarely jacks up a three, but he's somebody you can easily play off the court. And they they're okay with it. They want to play small ball, which plays kind of into the Phoenix Suns' hand. We are a very good small ball team. We're very good at switching on defense. We're very good at attacking on offense in those small ball sets. Knowing that our small ball five can be DeAndre Ayton because that's kind of, you know, that, that's how we start our games anyway. You know, our four is Jay Crowder. He's six six. Yep. So we play a small ball type of offense that has a lot of Mavericks people thinking like, uh-oh, because yep. this is a team that's accustomed to it. When you have a team like Dallas, or I'm sorry, Utah, who is – you know, their bread and butter is Rudy Gobert on defense. You can take those kind of guys out of the series. So as long as, you know, you guys both hit all the right answers. If, if Devin Booker's back to being Devin Booker, cakewalk. If yep. we if we play our brand of basketball, which we'll be able to, you know, again, the, the Phoenix Suns are a chameleon. The one thing the Phoenix Suns I don't think do very well is play transition D against young long teams like the Pelicans. And that's why we struggled and lost two games Mm -hmm. against that, that Mm -hmm. team. I don't see that happening in this situation. Now, granted you are going against Luka Doncic. Who's going to have a game or two in this series. That's it's just going to happen. Okay. The, The guy he'll get, he'll get the benefit of some calls. He'll, he'll catch on fire yep. from three. You know, he'll have those heat check moments in games i saw it happen in the jazz series Mm -hmm. but that being said as long as you negate the rest of his team as long as that weak side defense stays strong that's the key it's that weak side defense i'm talking to you devin booker there's no bleeding into the paint trying to throw a hand into somebody who's driving because if you're throwing a hand in somebody's driving that ball's gonna be kicked right by your ear and it's gonna be hit 
going to a wide open three point shooter. As I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, is a team that when it comes to their three point percentage overall as a team, they are twenty third, or I'm sorry, nineteenth in the league in three point makes percentage wise. They make thirty five percent. They take the eighth most. Hmm. When you look at <clears throat> who this team is on defense, okay, again, they've it, during the regular season, season, they gave up the second most or the second least points per game. They gave up the first least, sounds kind of funny to say, <laughs> uh, three pointers made per game. They gave up about 11 threes a game, okay? That's best in the league. They're a perimeter guarding team, they yep. have the ability to do that. Now, that being said, the opposing teams shot the third least amount of threes on them, and they gave up the fourth least three-point percentage. So you're not going to shoot a lot of threes on this team because of the way that they play their perimeter defense. What does that mean? It means there's one guy who this series is going to come down to, in my personal opinion, the guy who was drafted first overall in the 2018 NBA draft over Luka Doncic, and that's DeAndre Ayton. His value will be high in this. And his production, you know, we, we've seen what he can do. He was vital. He was, in my opinion, the most consistent player in that series against the Pelicans. Chris Paul was the best, but he was the most consistent. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we're going to need that from him in this series. He's going to have to go in there. He's going to have to play with the rage. And, and you have to understand something. The way that the Mavericks can get the Suns out of their game plan is by having Luka Doncic slow-mo attack the rim and do his head-bobbing shit when he gets near DA and try to get him in foul trouble. That's the one way I see this series going sideways, and that's for a game, not for a series. Yeah, when that starts to happen, too, where if Doncic is not getting the calls, that's when Jay can get inside his head a little bit. Uh, yes. I know someone said that in the chat earlier, but it's totally true because Jay can, and if Luca's not getting it, then that's his game, and it's going to throw him off. Uh, Dream small ball five, that is DeAndre, and like you said, he is going to be the guy. And it's just like, what's the headline really in the series? Is it because we talk about these players all the time with Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and Aiden not being talked about equally as much as some of these superstars in the league. You have all three of these guys on the same team. It's like who they put up there, you know, and the head to head. Is it Booker versus Doncic, Aiden versus Doncic, or yeah. is it, you know, is it Chris Paul, Chris Paul versus it's Chris all three Booker. of them? It's it's our team, and that's how we beat them. And, and Aiden, like we just talked about, another thing he can really focus on too is making sure that he's very active on offense. If the, the ball's not coming to him, just what he did really stay engaged. Really, Stay engaged. What he mm -hmm. did really good last series too, which is those little cuts towards the end. Like he always yep. found himself open when the guy's double team coming off the other side. Aiden just he's he was there for a lot of those plays where he got easy dunks. So yep. he can do that on this team too. So always stay active offensively. Don't give up on it. And I don't think he will. I think he's going to be very engaged in the series. I'm I'm so excited to see this guy play against the Mavericks. All right, gents, I'll start with you, Suns Geek. You are joining us as a guest. Before you give us your series prediction, let all the Jamsters know where they can find you if they don't know already. Well, as always, guys, thanks so much for having me. I love being on the show. Hope to be on again sometime soon. Uh, check me out, just Suns Geek on YouTube. Uh, social media, Suns Geek or Suns Geek on YouTube, either one. Um, always uploading Suns content and video reactions. Haven't done as many live streams this playoffs as, as I've wanted to because real life comes first, unfortunately. Nothing bad, I promise. Just been really busy with stuff. But uh, definitely as the series goes on and when we go to the Western Conference Finals, I'll definitely be doing more live streams. 
Uh, but yeah, series prediction. Uh, you want me to go first or? Yes, go ahead. Let's let us know. Suns in five. Worst case scenario, Suns in six. All right. You heard it here first. Suns Geek says <laughs> Suns in five, unless it's a worst case scenario, Suns in mm-hmm. six. Mm-hmm. Matthew, series prediction. Well, I thought the Suns would only lose three games in the whole playoffs, including the finals. So I'm going to go Suns sweep. So Suns sweep <laughs> over the Mavericks. Let's go. I hope you're right. They're rolling. Healthy Hawk. Booker, Suns mm-hmm. sweep. Hawk, I hope you're right. Hawk, I hope you're right. Um, Low Suns in the chat says Suns in five. Blaze Megatron says Suns in five. Suns in six. If Scott Foster refs a game or two, that's a good point. Uh, hey. Zero Suns in six. Amanda, Suns in six. Metal Mike says Suns in five. Suns and four from Fabio, a sweep from Mike B. Suns and four from Leo. Um, Justin from Fan of the Flame says I, he's with Lissy, a sweep. Uh, Suns and five or six from Iverson Vlog, six. Ah, oh, man. You know, coming coming into this one, I was really thinking Suns and five. I just, I think that there's a game where Luca will get a lot of things going his way. Uh, They're going to get one. You know, I, I really feel like they're going to get one. This is a talented mm-hmm. team. They're a team that plays with good defense. But as I sit here and I look at the matchups and, and I start to break down what each team could potentially do on offense and defense, I'm with Matthew. I'm going to say sweep on this one. Oh, yeah. Ooh. I'm going to say sweep. Now. Yes, thank you. I just no, thank you. You, oh, thank you showed you. me the way. <laughs> so the Suns Jam session guys say Suns in four. That's what we're gonna officially say. Uh again, thank you to everybody who's joining us in the chat. Let us know what you think. It all goes live starting tomorrow. So as always, Jamsters, you can join both Matthew and myself live once the game is over, right here on the Suns Jam Session podcast. Again, huge thanks to Suns Geek for joining us on this series preview show. Go check out his content. It's some of the best stuff you're going to find on the interwebs. Uh, and we truly, truly appreciate you, Brandon, taking some time out of your busy schedule to hang out with us and to rock this pod. Uh, Matthew, uh, good job on your research today. Thank you, man. You know, that Jalen Brunson took me about 30 seconds. I'm like, who's that one guy that's really good besides Doncic? Okay, let me make sure I get that down right. <laughs> But, uh, but we appreciate everybody for hanging out with us. Matthew, any final words? No, uh, just go ahead and love your family. Go home and love your family. So I'm sweet. <laughs>